going to jump right in this morning. Uh, didn't want you to, you know, fall asleep too early. I don't know if this speaks of you, this, this initial picture right here, but this is, this is true. Um, there's tall, there's grande, and there's the day after daylight savings time starts. Um, this is the worst one of the time changes going, going forward, kind of. I mean, the other one is bad because it gets dark so early that, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon, it's like my body saying it's time to go to bed. And I tried to tell my body to go to bed at eight o'clock last night in preparation for losing that hour. And it, it just didn't, it, it, it kind of worked, I guess. And, and I've had lots of comments on my shirt this morning. You know, um, lots of, you look like spring and that sort of thing. And yesterday it sort of felt like spring. So I dressed that way. And this morning when I got up, it was not spring. It was a little chilly this morning. So, uh, so there was a, a little turtle and this little turtle climbs this tree very slowly, very painfully. She crawled along a branch to the very end. And when she finally gets to the edge, she jumps and she falls, but she doesn't get discouraged. No, she, she walks back to the tree. She climbs to the tree. She crawls out to the edge. She gets to the edge and she jumps again and she falls to the ground. Again, with this stubborn look in her face, the little turtle walks slowly to the tree. She climbs the tree. She crawls along the branch. She gets to the edge and she jumps and she falls. In a nearby tree, there were a couple of pigeons watching the little turtle walk, climb, crawl, jump, fall over and over and over again. And after a while, one of the pigeon turns to the other and says, hey, honey, don't you think it's about time we tell her she's adopted? <laughs> so, yes, yes, great for the persistence, but there is truth in that we can be persistent about the wrong thing. When we persevere, and we're talking about perseverance today, we need to be sure that we're persevering in the right thing. And the writer of Hebrews delves into that in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 39. And I know we've been jumping around here in the, in the last three to four weeks. We've been, you know, we were, we were in six, and then we were in eight and nine, and, and then, we were, then we weren't, and then we were in seven, and now we're in, in the end of 10. So, so what, we have, what we're going to do is we're going to extend our Hebrew series through Easter, and, and the beginning of chapter 10, verses 1 through 18, talks, I mean, that's, that's the passage we need to be focusing on on Resurrection Sunday. So we're going to do that. Um, we're going to do 10, 19 through 39 today. Next week will be 11. The next week will be 12. The next week will be 13. And then the next weekend is Easter, Resurrection Sunday. Um, so uh, just to give you that heads up, as you, some of you have wanted to read ahead and, and be thinking and praying through what we're going to be talking about on Sunday mornings. Well, from here, uh, from this part of the book of Hebrews, the preacher is now beginning to build on the rich doctrinal foundation that he has been laying for the last 10 chapters. Uh, Scripture is never about knowledge only. Scripture is never about just knowing things. The, the, the thing that, that God wants to do in your life and mine is transform us from where we are to where he wants us to be. So scripture is never about just knowledge. 
And, and the, the preacher in Hebrews begins now to take us on. Here's how we apply the things that I have been teaching you. That's um, what our passage covers today. It's, it's four things. It's, it's in order to make our relationship with Jesus Christ real in our life every day. Part of that is, is every day entering in, holding fast, keeping near, and pressing on. Perseverance. Now, last week I concluded with three words. Can anybody tell me what those three words were? They started with T, just to maybe help out a little bit. Talk was the first one, yes. The second one was time and turnover. Yeah, talk, time, and turnover. And, and talk, uh, I related that at the very end of the message. I related talk to our prayer, our communication with God. Um, time was, was just that, time spent uh, reading in the Word, uh, listening to God, g- g- creating those, uh, those uh, opportunities in the course of a day to let God speak through us, and then turnover to s- the surrender, surrender our life to Him, surrender those things that we're holding on to. Now, this morning, I want to take those three words, talk, time, and turnover, and, and I want to say that they also represent the first one, and that's prayer. Um, when we pray, prayer is talking, it's listening, prayer is time, and in prayer we turn over. Uh, we, we do all three of those things as we are in prayer. And this, this puts us on a solid foundation in the one whom we pray to and through our relationship with Jesus Christ, who is our great high priest and our king. Now, if you look at the first word of verse Verse 19, right there in chapter 10. What is that word? It's therefore. And what do we always ask when we read the word therefore? What is it there for? It's therefore, it's there because of all the things that the preacher has already told us in the first nine chapters. He said, these are, these are truths. This is the doctrine that you need to know. And he says, therefore, based on all of that, this is what your life needs to be like. This is how we can live. Man, I'm t- look, we, uh, so, so that word is therefore. He says, let us draw near to God. Let us enter into his presence, which is now possible because when Christ died and rose again, that curtain separating us from the Holy of Holies has been rent in two, and we now have access every day, any place, to our great high priest, Jesus Christ. Today is a great time to live because we have that access. He is accessible to us. We just got to take those steps. So let's enter in. How are we to do this? Let's see, verse 19, uh, read with me. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, That is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. We need to enter in. We can enter in. He says we can enter in in verse 19 with confidence. We can enter in with confidence. Let's draw near with the full assurance. This confidence comes from being a child of God. 
When we have full confidence, when you have full confidence in somebody who's in authority over you, um, there's just a level of trust with them, isn't it? It could be a, a, a long-trusted boss, a, a spouse, somebody that you trust, uh, uh, your husband who has been placed over authority of you, uh, uh, over, uh, in authority over you, according to Scripture, but he leads the way that Scripture wants him to lead. Now, when we have that trust, we don't hesitate to go to them for something, do we? Um, you, you know, let's, let's say you're an employee and, and, and you really trust your boss who's an authority over you and something, something happens. You, maybe you need something. Maybe you don't know how to do something. So you, you, just, you know that you can walk into his office and you can say, hey, I'm struggling here. I need help with this. And you know that when you do that, he's going to help you or she is going to help you. Or when you screw up. When, when you mess up and, and, you know, the till doesn't balance at the end of the day and, and you somehow messed something up and you know that you can, you can go to your boss and you can just come clean. You can be honest and say, hey, I messed up. I messed up. And you know that, that though they may take actions to correct your action, maybe, maybe it was not, maybe it was. Maybe you were just negligent and you weren't paying attention. And they're going to be like, hey, well... <laughs> There's consequences to this, okay? But you know that, that they're going to still be there for you. They're going to teach you. They're going to train you. Um, you know, we, 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 we are willing to go to somebody in authority over us because we know that they will receive us with open arms. They will hear us out and they will make things right. That's what the blood of Jesus has done for us. It, it has made us right. sprinkled on our hearts. It is with confidence that we can confess our sins to him, knowing that he won't reject us, that he won't cast us aside because he said that he would never do that. Knowing, knowing that he has cleansed us from a guilty conscience. First John 1, 9 says it this way, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You have sin in your life, what are you waiting for? Get on your knees before your creator, before your God, your high priest, your savior, and confess. Surrender that to him. 1 John 5.13, he goes on to say later, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. I was just kind of flipping through the book of John as I was looking for these verses, and, and he over and over and over implores his readers to persevere. Why? Because of what Jesus has done. And because it's the truth. It is the truth. Stay true to the truth and to know that we can know, we can know that we are saved because we have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So, so when, when we are, when we're saved, it is with confidence that we enter into his presence. Paul, Paul says it this way. He says, there, there now is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you feel condemned, by this world, it's the enemy. We should feel guilty if we have sinned. Yes. That is the Holy Spirit speaking to us, moving us towards our knees before our Creator and our Savior. But if we have come to that place and we have repented and we feel condemned, that is the enemy. That's the enemy. 
And, and not just based on what Jesus has done, but also the fact that Jesus himself invites us to come. He told the disciples to let the children come unto him. And then later, um, he tells us to come to him with the attitude and the faith of a child. And in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. There are many words and, and activities and decisions that we can put in there in the place of weary and burdened. And it's because of all that Jesus has done, we can enter with confidence. We can also enter with gratitude. Now, think about this. Think of someone in your life who has been generous to you. Out of no fault of your own, they were generous to you. Whether it was forgiveness or, or a gift or time or help. Now, what was your response to them when they were generous to you? I, I bet you didn't spit in their face. I bet you didn't disparage their name for a few days at least. I, I, bet, I bet you were humbled before them, you know, because most of us, we don't accept help and grace well. Um, somehow we think we don't deserve it. Somehow we think that it's, I don't know, it, it, I should just be able to do this myself. Oh no, I bet, I bet you thanked them. I bet you were, yes, humbled before them. Uh, I'm guessing you probably sent them a note of thanks. Maybe it was a text message. Maybe it was a phone call. Hey, I just wanted to tell you, thank you for that. I, I know you didn't, need, you didn't have to do it, and I appreciate that you, you noticed that we needed that help or whatever. Um, maybe you took them out to a nice dinner as a token of your gratitude. You may have even said those words. Um, what you did for us really meant so much, and this is just a, this is just a small token of, of our appreciation. Now I want you to think about all that Jesus has done for us. Think about all that the preacher has listed this far. Think, think about all that you know. Jesus, angel of the Lord, incarnate, born of a virgin, creator, savior, master, priest, king, friend, a constant help when we are in need. He will, he will never leave you nor forsake you. As we remember those attributes of Christ, as we experience them, what is our response? As we think about those and we think about them in, in a real way, as we experience those things, what is our response? Well, humility, uh, thankfulness, Gratitude, which we've seen in past series, is hard for somebody who lives in the affluent America that we live in. An entitled nation of people, or a nation of entitled people. Where we think it's our right for whatever. You know, to be served in less than five minutes at McDonald's. To not have to sack your own groceries at Walmart. To whatever. I, I, I was reminded by this. I was talking to somebody this morning, and, and it's, I, I don't care. It's not that big a deal, but they have four deep freezes. 
And, and there's like the deep freeze for this and the deep freeze for that. And I'm, like I said, I'm not knocking that. That's wonderful. We just need to be grateful and recognize that we live in an unbelievably, oh, what's the word I want? We have so many things in this country. And, and the enemy can take those things and turn them against us and make us, first of all, want more things or different things, or somebody else's things. And what happens when we begin thinking in that entitled way is we begin to be less grateful for the things that we do have. Some of you didn't even have to change some of your clocks. They just did it automatically. There are countries where they don't even have clocks. Right? We need to, we need to remember that. Um, which kind of brings us to the next one. Um, the next one seems like a no-brainer to me, and it's a natural state if the truth of who Jesus is is, is living and breathing in us. Uh, what, what he has done has truly sunk into our life, but it's that we draw near with sincerity. Let us, verse 22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Have you ever done something that you weren't really that sincere about? You kind of did it halfway or, you know, um, or have you been the recipient of something that wasn't sincere? Somebody says some words to you and you know they really didn't mean it. You know, for you that have siblings who are kind of close to the same age as you, you grew up with that, right? Hey, you tell her, she, you tell her you're sorry for what you just did. Sorry. No, 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 no. You got to mean it. Right? You got to mean it. And then you try to muster this sincerity. And, and, and the other brother or sister, they know that you don't really mean it. You know, there, there is hope. For those of you who have small children who you're experiencing this right now. There is hope. And in time, one day, they probably, it's not guaranteed, but they may realize how much they really do love their siblings and how much they really care for each other and, and how much they really care for their parents and all the investment and the time and all of that. Um, in a remote village in Central America, the word got out among the people of the region that there was this missionary who was going to retire. Um, she was an American missionary that had served in that country for years and years, and she was going to go back to the U.S. and live out the remaining years of her life. And the nationals, they, they wanted to honor her for all of the years that she had spent with them. So, so they planned this big public time of appreciation. And news of the event went to all parts of the country and uh, uh, to all of those parts where the missionary was known. And one very old and very poor man walked to the ceremony over mountainous terrain for four days to bring his gift to this missionary. Now, the gift consisted of two coconuts, but it was all the man had, and the missionary recognized the man as coming from the remote village in the mountains, and she said, Brother, I cannot believe that you would walk so far to present me with this gift. And and the, the man said back to the missionary, long walk, part of gift. Right? The long walk is part of the gift. What sincerity? What, what meaning? I mean, that's gratitude. That's sacrifice. 
Oh, that we may live for our Savior in that same way. See, because it's not just what we have or what we do. It's how we use it and, and how we do it. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Oh, may we enter in prayer, spend time, surrender with confidence, gratitude, and sincerity. Then the preacher goes on in verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So as we enter into into the holy place, which can be done anywhere, and we draw close to God, we then hold fast. That word, hold fast, unswervingly, steadfastly, staunchly, solidly, firmly, hold fast to our confession. Hold fast to our confession. Verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful. Again, based on all that we have been told and all of the witnesses who have gone before us and the change in our own lives and the change that we see in other people's lives who are also living faithfully to that promise of hope, keep the faith. Keep the faith. No matter what comes against you, for, for the original audience here, in the face of death, in, in the, the face of persecution, from, from your own family members, likely, who say, ah, you know what? That's just too hard. Let's just go back to the old way. Let's just go back to the old way. Don't let them sway you. Don't let them discourage you to the point of wanting to go back to the old ways, back to the law, back to bondage in Egypt or back to that sinful lifestyle. Hope and peace can't be found there. It can't. Oh, oh there's lots of promises that it will be and that it can be. But, but it can't. Only in Jesus do we find hope and peace. And as we meet together, as we continue the habit and discipline of meeting together here on Sunday mornings, in your Bible study, in those groups that you have, and with those friends where you sit down over Scripture or you, you meet together to pray, to stand in the gap for other people, as we continue that habit, even when we are tired or feeling under the gun or we lost an hour of sleep, may we hold fast to our confession, to the truth, and may we hold fast in mutual encouragement. I've, I've seen pleas on Facebook that kind of that they, they kind of look like this. I'm sure you've seen them. Maybe you've even put a few of these out there. Like, hey everyone, I'm getting ready to do the super crushing make your abs scream workout. And I need somebody to do it with. I need somebody to join me. Now I always think a couple things when I see Facebook posts like that. I, I, I mean, Facebook, honestly, it's the worst. It's it's like narcissistic, right? We get drawn into it, and it's like, if I put this out there, how many likes am I going to get? How many people are going to love this post? How many people are going to say, wow, congratulations, or way to go, or we're with you? Now, I think there's a healthy way to do that. 
And my, my guess is that, 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 I don't know, I'm just throwing this out there, 20% of our posts are healthy. I mean, my parents grew up in a life, in a culture, completely void of memes and pithy statements and, and mottos and, you know, look, it can be good. It, it really can. But, but we just really have to be cautious because our brains get sucked into that. And we, it, we, it's like we almost need it. Sorry, that was not in my <laughs> notes at all. But here's the thing. What, what happens, though, is, is we get super lazy in keeping up with our workouts or staying healthy. And, and, and oftentimes those things are, please, it, it, it really is. It's like, hey, I need a couple guys or another, a couple gals to do this with me so that I'll keep doing it. Because if I don't have somebody else that I'm doing this with, then it's really, really easy for me to just skip a day or two or three or, or you know, in a couple of weeks, you're like, whoa, I didn't do that one time after I said I was gonna. I finally canceled the iFit subscription a couple days ago. Okay, with that iFit subscription comes a, a connection from my iPad on the elliptical that helps me go places and do things while, so it's not just, you know, I just can't run for the sake of running. Um, I, it, I need help. And I paid $15 a month, probably for at least a year now or more, that I've never used it because I keep telling myself, next week is going to be the week. Next week is going to be the week. You know what? I finally got honest myself and said, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to, you know, have a couple cups of coffee at Starbucks or something instead of that thing that's right there. Um, we do, we need people to help us. And, and, I'm, and it's, not just, it's not just accountability, it's relationship. It's, it's supporting one another. It's walking the road of life together. That's why, you know, it was always frustrating to me in doing youth ministry, and I'm sure this never happens with adults, but you'll, you'll have a kid who's, who starts dabbling in a sinful behavior, and then, and then when they're at youth group, they begin feeling guilty about that sinful behavior. So instead of stopping the sinful behavior, they stop coming to youth group. Never happens with adults, I'm sure. Because it's uncomfortable to be in a place where the spirit is moving and working. But that's exactly where we need to be. Because that sinful behavior is not good for us. It's, de it's destroying us. We, man, we got to keep meeting together. Sunday mornings at other times, I mean, we've been created for that relationship. Hold fast to our confession. Hold fast in mutual encouragement. And there's also a spiritual incentive that, that we can't forget. Encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day. That day there is the return of Christ. That is judgment day that the preacher's talking about right there. And that day is getting closer and closer and closer. And as, and as we live our lives today, we have a lot of opportunities to bear witness to the good news of Jesus Christ. But when that day is actually here, I'm guessing that we might wish we had spent more time 
tackling more of those opportunities uh, in our own life to experience a relationship with Jesus Christ or to help other people along the way, whether that is when Jesus returns or we take our last breath. When that day comes, when when that happens, we will all wish probably we had done so much more. So what are we going to do about that? I say let's not be lazy or apathetic or fearful as we think about the opportunities to share the love of Jesus Christ with others. And, And we don't forsake meeting together. We continue to do that. And we spur each other on. And maybe, maybe, you, maybe you aren't there yet. Maybe you're sitting here today or you're watching online and you're like, I don't, I'm still not too sure about this Jesus thing. I'm, I'm still not sure if I know enough to say, okay, I, I surrender my, my life to Jesus as my Savior. Um, you're just not sure about that. If that is you, again, I want to say I'm thrilled that you're here or that you're watching. Keep searching because I guarantee you, Jesus will reveal himself to you. He will show you. He will answer your questions and show you that he is the real deal. Because when we are in Christ and we take our last breath, that is a future reality that will blow us away. That is incentive for me to hold fast to the truth for something that's on the other side. I know it's there. I know it's true. I know it's real. I don't know exactly what it's like, but when I take my last breath, then I will know. Enter in, hold fast, and keep near. Number three is keep near. Let's let's read on. Verse 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth... No sacrifice for sin is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three, two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot and has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them and who has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, and again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Hang in there. I mean, that's quite the list, isn't it? There's positive and negative words in these verses. There's a good and a bad, if you will. One way that we intentionally keep near to God is by remembering those who didn't. We keep near and remember those who fell. We can learn the lives, we can learn from the lives of others, can't we? 
I mean, as a parent, our, our hope is that, that as we raise our children, that we can teach them through certain things so that they don't have to learn the lessons that we did when we did some of those things that they might do. Now, there's also kids who say, well, I just have to make all the mistakes so I can learn from them. No, no, well, wait a minute. What, what sort of logic is that? But before we condemn children, right, adults, we've already determined that we were just older, bigger, look more mature than children do, but we often do some of the same things because we're human, selfish, arrogant, prideful, et cetera, et cetera, and we have to fight against those things. We have to fight against those things. And, and when things happen to us, I mean, read that. Look at that list right there. You, um, okay, you've received the light and you endured in a great conflict. Okay, there was this big conflict. Uh, they were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. You know, when that happens to us, we cry foul. It's not fair. They shouldn't talk about me like that. Well, yeah, you can say those things, but, but, and you can believe those things, but in trying to not have that happen to you, don't go back on your confession. Don't, don't, don't go back on the truth that you know what is the truth. Hang on to that. Um, it says other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered long in prison. You joyfully, joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because it was, it was confiscated because of what you believed in and you, you knew that what you believed in was the truth. That's what we hold on to. That's why it's so important that we know what is the right thing to hold on to and what is the, not the right thing to hold on to. We have been, we, we are adopted. You know, we're, we're not turtles adopted into a pigeon family, but we are adopted in. We are grafted in. We are children of God, and let's live that way. Let's live like we are. Now, God disciplines, uh, and, and we can observe God's discipline in the lives of other people. Um, God disciplines, God judges, God punishes. Scripture is very clear about that. He is perfect. He will always do what is right and what is just. Always. And, and, and we need to let him take care of that. However, as he does, we can observe and recognize that we don't want those consequences to happen in our life. But we have to be careful. Righteous arrogance opens up a place for the enemy to attack us. For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Deuteronomy 32, 35 says, It is mine to avenge, God said. I will repay in due time. Their foot will slip. Their day of disaster is near and their doom rushes upon them. So we take steps to draw near to God and away from sin and poor judgment. Living by faith is a huge part of that. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. 
I, th- I think it's just been a couple weeks ago, but a couple weeks ago when we, we watched the interview with, with JP and, and that, uh, the professor from, from Asbury, and JP talked about that moment when, when he put himself, he walked into the pasture, he, he gave, he talked, he gave time, and he turned over, and God spoke to him. And, and what did God say? God assured him, I got you. Psalm 37, if, if, you, don't, if you weren't here for that, Psalm 37, the first three verses is, is what he shared. I got you. But we have to willingly step into that place and, and surrender. And we can because he's completely trustworthy. We need To remember that there are consequences. But on the positive side of remembering, may we keep near and remember those who endured. And my dad always comes to mind when I think about somebody who endured. You know, through all of his health issues and the death of my, my mom in the 80s, financial and business hardships that I was a pretty selfish high school, early college kid. I didn't know half the stuff that my dad was dealing with and that what, what he went through. But, but, but what I did notice was his faithfulness. He was born in 1929, though he didn't really remember the Great Depression. He grew up in a household that was formed by the Great Depression. He said, my grandmother had spoons that were flat on one side because they were worn out. But did she get new spoons? No. She still had folded up pieces of aluminum foil and stacked in a drawer. She fixed socks. Lots of them for me. Um, Does anybody... By a raise of hands, how many people in this room fix socks today? Yeah, exactly. Oh, you do not. Do you really? Well, good for you. What? Mustafa fixes socks. Darn sock and throw it in the trash. Me too. I pull out a pair and go, well, that's got a hole. Grab another sock in the drawer that doesn't have a mate. And, uh, you know, off we go again. Man, how do we get on the subject of socks this morning? Woo! It is a smelly subject. You're right. Can be. It can be. You see, my dad drew near to his Lord and Savior every day. Every day. I can tell you his routine because it would later become our routine in our household. Quiet. Not, you know, he didn't, he didn't really care to be on the stage. Constant, faithful. He never, ever forsook gathering together. Even when we were on vacation in another state, we were in church on Sunday morning. Um, His relationship with Jesus was at the core of the priorities in his life. And we keep near by remembering those who fell, but let's walk with and follow those who kept near and endured. 
those are the people that we need to hang out with. Those are the people that we need to model our lives after. And, and may we be those who have gone before others that one day they will look to our life and say, you know what? He had a faith that endured. Romans 1.17, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith, Paul says in Galatians chapter 3. Verse after verse is a call to persevere on our relationship with Jesus, isn't it? No matter what. No matter what's happening in your life. No matter what destruction or confusion or chaos or heartache happens in and around our lives. There is nowhere else that we can turn. Nowhere else. But to Jesus where we will find truth and hope and peace and joy and one day a, rela- a reality that will just blow our minds away. There is no one else we could turn to who loves and forgives us like Jesus. No place else to receive peace and joy and hope for all of eternity. The final four verses of our passage today emphasize this. Verse 36, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteousness one will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back, but we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. We draw near by pressing on. Keep on keeping on. We press on to the future as we wait. Jesus is coming back again. Some commentators said that that some of these Christians were were kind of falling back into their old way because Jesus hadn't returned yet. I mean, he's like, it says right there that he will come and he will not delay. Well, how, how many years ago was that? couple thousand. So, you know, we can begin to think, well, he's delaying. No, no, he's not delaying. He has, God has the time and place when it's going to happen. There will be no delay. It will happen when he says it's going to happen. Not a second before and not a second after. And where will we be in our spiritual life with him at that time? Because it could be tomorrow, it could be next week, it could be a hundred years from now, it could be a thousand. I don't know. But I also know this, you and I, we're not going to live another hundred years. We're not going to live a thousand years. We are going to take likely our last breath on this planet someday. That honestly could be today. And are we ready? Are are we ready? Are we pressing on to the future, even if unknowingly that future is only for another hour? Or week? Or decade? So 
So we press on. It could be over the next hill. It could be over that next mountain or around the next curve. No matter what, as his righteous one, may we live by faith in Jesus. I will press on to the future as I wait for his return. And I will press on in the present, in the present, in Christ today as a child of God, as one who is in Christ. We do not belong to those who shrink back and who will be destroyed. Oh no, we are those who have faith and are saved. I mean, amen, right? I tell you things so that I tell you these things so that you may know that you have eternal life. If you know that you have eternal life, let's live in the present in Christ. What a what great challenges and encouragement we've heard today as we live each day this week. Let's enter in. Let's hold fast. Let's keep near. By talking and spending time and turning over. And let's press on. Matthew 16, 25 through 27, as I read these, if the worship team would come up. And and we're just going to reflect here for the next 15 or so minutes on what, what we know. What we know. What we've experienced. Allow the Spirit of God to speak to your heart this morning. But Jesus is very clear in Matthew 16, 25 through 27. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me, Jesus says, will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. And those things that we have done will come from whose we are. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added unto you. Let's seek Jesus. Let's profess him. Let's confess him. Let's pray for those who don't know him. And as one who does, let's live for him. Let's sing.